for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. That is right. We are back. Let me turn that down a little bit. My little, my little too loud. Am I coming in too hot? Hopefully not. I'm starting to lose my voice, which is a problem. If you're listening on uh, September the eighth, two thousand and twenty, I did. Re- Four hours of radio this morning, which is enough to wear you down. And now we're putting out a podcast because we have been out of pocket and there's just, we we can't wait. We can't wait any longer. We got to put this podcast out there. So here we are for your listening pleasure. And one thing we're really excited about, it, it's kind of twofold. There's, a, there's an upside and a downside. If you watch us on YouTube... The downside is you're not getting to see us live. We're doing these podcasts and then we're posting them. So there's not that live interaction. You, you still have the ability to comment on the videos. You just don't have the ability to you know interact with us straight up as it's happening. Now that may change in the future, uh, but right now we're doing what we got to do. Because we've got some cool features that we're adding to the video, which is uh, the ability for you guys to see videos as we play them. You know, we do a lot of audio on on this show, but we want you to have the visuals as well. Now, how long that'll last, I'm not sure, because some of this stuff is probably you know, got a copyright on it or something, and YouTube will take it down. But we're going to do it as long as we can. Plus, we can kind of show you some of the stats and stuff we're talking about as we go along. Um, it's good. It's it's a good thing. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. That's right. 
Uh, off the top, y'all know it, uh, at Andrew McLean Who on Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who on Parlor. We got Over the Line on Facebook. If you haven't liked us yet, make sure you go and do that. And uh, on YouTube, if you're listening to the audio podcast, make sure you go over to YouTube, click the subscribe button. There should be a little Over the Line icon down in the bottom right-hand corner. And if you just go over there and click that, I know it on your desktop, you can do it. I don't know if you can do it on your phone, but hit that uh, hit that over-the-line icon, and it should uh, prompt you to subscribe. So you can subscribe to the channel, and you can get notified. If you click the little bell, you get notified when there's new videos up. It's a good thing. It's good for everybody, I'm telling you. All right, let's get right into it, because uh, i got to get this podcast out and then get to uh, football practice. <laughs> I'm like... I'm pushing the clock. I got like 45 minutes to get out of here before we get to go to football practice. It's not good. Uh, off the top, and this is something we used to do all the time, Chicago numbers. Shootings in Chicago. Now, Chicago is not really... They haven't gotten all the attention as of late with when it comes to violence. Now, uh, you've got Portland, and you've got Seattle, and you've got New York. You've got all these other places that have really stepped up their game in the sense of being a violent city. And Chicago is is in the mix, but they're kind of, you know, they're not up there like they usually are. But we don't want to leave you guys hanging. We want to make sure you have the ability to know uh, what kind of violence is going on in Chicago. So let's just take a look-see. Again, you're getting the visual aspect if you're watching on YouTube. I encourage you guys to go over there and do that. But we have, get this, at least 51 people shot, okay? Seven of those shootings fatal in uh, the Labor Day weekend in Mayor Lightfoot's Chicago. That's right. 51 people shot. Seven died on the Labor Day weekend. And that's normally the way it goes, okay? You've always got violence. You've always got shootings in Chicago. But when it's a holiday weekend, when it's summer, when it's hot outside, there's quite the uptick in violence in really any city. But in Chicago especially, they really like to bring the heat. No pun intended. 51 people shot, seven fatally. Here's the kicker. One of those fatally killed, an eight-year-old girl. An eight-year-old girl in Chicago, and Mayor Lightfoot, she's nowhere to be found on this front. It's just another day in Chicago for these people. If you hold power in Chicago, you, that's just, it's just what you do. Uh, you Ask Obama. Ask, ask any of the, ask Rahm Emanuel, ask any of these people who've held power in Chicago. It's just another day. I don't think anything about it. I'm looking at Breitbart. An eight-year-old girl was one of the seven people fatally shot over Labor Day weekend. Fox 8 reports the child was sitting at a stoplight in a vehicle with her mom and two adults in the Canaryville neighborhood just before 6 p.m. This is still daylight. Keep that in mind. When the light changed, someone in the vehicle behind them opened fire, shooting the girl, a 31-year-old man and a 30-year-old woman. Maybe that's mom and dad, aunt and uncle, something. The man and woman were both shot in the back and hospitalized in critical condition. CNN said the 8-year-old girl was also shot in the back. She was rushed to 
Comer Children's Hospital where she was pronounced dead. This girl is the sixth child, 10 years or younger, to be murdered in Chicago since late June. In two months, a little over two months, this little girl is the sixth kid under the under 10 years old to be shot and killed in Chicago. And what are they doing about it? Absolutely nothing. There's a difference when you've got your thugs and your gangbangers, your drug dealers, when they're out there shooting each other and killing each other. That's one thing. All life is precious, first of all. That's first and foremost. We don't want anybody dying. But it hits a little differently when it goes from the gangbangers and the drug dealers to innocent children under the age of 10. And the lack of leadership is astounding. It's costing lives. And it's happening all over the country in these liberal-run cities. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. There's, there's one thing. There's one thing that will stop this. And that is the people of that city rise up and change the leadership. The people of that city, the people of those cities, rise up and change the leadership. I hate to sound partisan, but quit voting Democrat. Voting Democrat costs lives. Look at the stats. It plays out. Voting Democrat costs lives. That should be the latest trending hashtag on Twitter. Everybody should be talking about Chicago and using that hashtag on Twitter. It's sickening. It's sickening that these people... And, and, and Mayor Lightfoot, what has she done? Got her hair done after telling everybody she that, that, that they can't go get their hair done? Like Nancy Pelosi? Nothing. They're doing nothing for their people. It's sick. It's disgusting. You know what else is disgusting? The handlers of Joe Biden continuing to commit elder abuse. Day after day after day, they continue to prop this guy up. He's got no idea where he is at any given time. Don't know who he is. Yet, they keep putting him out there. And and unfortunately, Joe Biden's in a position where he's been forced out of the basement. Joe Biden can no longer hide. We're at that point, we're that far into the coronavirus, where people are starting to look at Joe Biden and say, you know, you're going to have to get out there. Donald Trump's doing rally after rally on a tarmac. They're improvising in order to meet with the voters. They're improvising to be with the people. You can't stay in your basement in Delaware. You're not going to win. And the only reason they're doing that is because the polls are sagging. These polls that are highly inaccurate in the first place, but they invest a lot in them. They see the polls sagging in between the violence that they in the, in the liberal cities that they feel is hurting them, and Joe Biden not being out mingling with the people at a safe distance, at six feet, with your mask on. They think that's 
contributing factors. So he's being pushed out into the spotlight, into the public, and here we go. This is where it gets exciting. Now, again, it's elder abuse, so I want to keep that in context. But poor Joe Biden, he's already having to backtrack on stuff he's saying even when it comes to the mask mandate. Remember, he came out and he's like, hey, if I'm president, I'm doing nationwide mask mandate. No questions asked. It's responsible. We got to care for each other. We got to keep each other safe. So I'm going to implement a full-blown mask mandate across the board. No questions asked. Uh, That's what I'm going to do as president. Well, somebody apparently got to Joe Biden and said, Joe, um, you're not going to be able to do that mask mandate because that's somewhat unconstitutional. (laughs) So now Joe Biden's making a tour where he's going around saying, I wouldn't do that. I never even said that. That's unconstitutional. I'm a constitutionalist. I don't mandate things such as that. Sounds like you might want a stronger federal, uh, you know, response to this. And, and, And do you trust the governors to handle what's best for their states? Well, I hope you can trust the governors, but here's the deal. The federal government, there's a constitutional issue whether the federal government could issue such a mandate. I don't think constitutionally they could, so I wouldn't issue a mandate, but I'd plead with. I'd carry my mask with me everywhere I'd go. I'd set an example. I'd make sure that, and I understand what's happening. You see what's happening in your state. The numbers are going down because local authorities have taken the responsibility of issuing mandates in their cities and the counties. And fewer people are showing up without masks. The public is taking note of what, in fact, increases the prospect of the virus coming down. And so we need basic social responsibility. And those who talk about my freedom to wear a mask, well, what, what about your patriotism to protect your neighbor from getting sick because you may be communicating the virus? I, I think this is such a selfish way to approach things. It's about making sure the public is safe and secure. And that is a local decision, but there should be national standards laid out as to how it should be gone about. You can't mandate that, but to set the example of what need be done. Well, this is a little awkward. Um, So Joe Biden's no longer with the mask mandate, but he does want to reiterate that if you are not wearing a mask, you are being extremely selfish and... The big one, this is my favorite, because they feel like <laughs> they feel like this really hits hits conservatives right in the nuts. It means you're not patriotic. But we've got news for Democrats. They don't really get to decide what is considered patriotic. Because Democrats, if if we're gonna be honest here, Democrats are the least patriotic party. I mean, they're the, they're, they're the least patriotic people in all of politics. Are they not? Is it just me? <laughs> they, they are the least patriotic. So for them to come out and tell you what is and isn't patriotic, it's, it's a little bit absurd. Here's Joe Biden explaining again how he would not implement a mask mandate and that really he's, he's never even suggested such. Why? It's absurd. He's a constitutionalist. He would never suggest a mask mandate. That's crazy. But so you don't see, you, you, you had suggested there would be some kind of a federal mandate about masks. And now you're saying no, no, what, encourage what, people? No, no. Here's what I suggested was I would ask every person in authority 
There's a question whether or not a president under the Constitution could mandate right. everyone wear a mask. And remember, all during the primary, I'd have a lot of people telling me I would buy executive order do. I'm a constitutionalist. You know, you can't do things the Constitution doesn't allow you the power to do. What I would be doing is putting as much pressure as I could on every governor, every senator, I mean, excuse me, every, every uh, mayor, every county executive. Don't forget, he's a constitutionalist, and he would never force a mandate, but he would put pressure. He would put pressure on all mayors and governors and really kind of force them to do it anyway. Executive, every local official, and everyone in business putting pressure on them to say, what you're doing is irresponsible. Make sure you wear a mask and maintain social distancing. And the vast majority of the American people accept that notion. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I don't know about that, but whatever. Whatever, Joe. If y'all, uh, <laughs> this is how out of touch these people are. He, he feels like a majority of Americans are on board with this mandated, must-wear-a-mask, no-questions-asked philosophy that really most of us are not, we're not down with. We as Americans, we get tired of stuff very easily. Now, th that may be attention deficit disorder or something, but we, we get over it pretty quick, right? We're, we get done with it. There, there's only so long you can be, and, and that's, that's looking at it from a news cycle point of view, right? The news cycle will absolutely beat you down. But as a story goes and goes and goes, you get to the point where you're like, okay, I, I don't really care about this anymore. I've heard about it for months on end. It's, it's done. And even though coronavirus, COVID-19, directly affects every American... We're still in that same frame of mind where we're like, okay, you know what? That's that's enough of the coronavirus. I've heard enough about it. I've I've had people telling me what to do for far too long. Like our thing here in America is we we don't we're, we're not told what to do. We get to do our own thing. And this is not this is not vibing with my America. Okay, my American life, my pursuit of of uh, happiness, it's not vibing. So, we're over it. Americans are not on board with this stuff. There's a lot that are. There's a lot of average people out there that still want to wear masks. There's a lot of anal people out there. There's a lot of Karens out there that still want to wear a mask. But there's a lot of Americans, I would venture to say, even a slight majority of Americans... That are over it. They are. They're over it. And so that's where we're at. But what do we got to do to get past this part of our history? This part of our life. This part of, of, of the new decade. 2020. What do we got to do? That's right. We got to have a vaccine. Well, once we get a vaccine, then everything should be fine. Everybody gets a vaccine or at least... You know, most Americans, the people that are willing to do it, get the vaccine and, and we move on and everything's great, right? Well, kind of. The Democrats now, especially Biden and Harris, 
are now downplaying the same vaccine that they said we must have in order to go back to life as normal. Now, why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because Trump proposed that we may have a vaccine by late October. Why is that a big deal? Because it's right before the election. So now they're saying, we don't really trust that Donald Trump, as if Donald Trump's the one putting out the vaccine. We don't trust uh, the safety of a vaccine that's being put out by Donald Trump before the election. Kamala Harris did an interview with CNN, said she wouldn't trust Trump to be honest about a coronavirus vaccine safety in the run-up to the 2020 election. Now, if you're looking at this logically, you would know Trump's got enough people against him that somebody's going to blow the whistle if there's a vaccine put out there that's legit not safe for people. And I'm not saying vaccines are safe in general. You know, that's that's another story for another show. But there would be somebody that would blow the whistle and say, Trump has has forced these companies to put this vaccine out too soon and it's not safe for consumption, blah, blah, blah. But yet we're not hearing that. Why? Because maybe they're doing it the right way. They're working uh, with the, the FDA. They're working with the top pharmaceutical companies in the entire country. They're doing Operation Warp Speed or whatever it's called to get it done, but get it done the right way. You think the president wants to put out a bunk vaccine that's going to screw everybody up after they take it? Of course not. He's looking to be in there four more years. He don't want six months into a second term, everybody starts, you know, turning into zombies because they put, put a bunk vaccine out there. In Pennsylvania Monday, Biden said he would take a COVID-19 vaccine tomorrow even if it cost him the, le- the election. He's so brave. Biden criticized Trump for undermining public confidence on health issues because the president has said so many false things about the pandemic. Right. (laughs) So here we go. This is the Democrats' new MO. And their followers, their loyal followers, their voting base will follow suit and they'll say, this is not a safe vaccine simply because it was produced under Donald J. Trump. And that'll be it. That'll be it. They won't take the vaccine. Whatever, fine, don't take the vaccine. I don't care. the, The last thing I want to do when this vaccine comes out is force anybody to take it or put people in a position where you can't do this, 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 you can't go to school, you can't go to work, you can't do whatever unless you take the vaccine. That's the last thing we need. We don't need any kind of mandated vaccine. It just needs to be available to the people that want it. But if Democrats, liberals, and, and you know, psychotic Trump haters don't want to take the vaccine, so be it. Fine. I'll take it. But don't ruin it for everybody else that wants to take it. Again, I, I'm probably not taking it, but if there's somebody out there who wants to take it, let them take it. So that's what we got on the coronavirus front. And then we get a little bit 
of insight on what mail-in voting may have in store. And I simply saw this headline. You see it if you're watching YouTube. Piles of mail dumped in California. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Piles of mail were dumped last week in two separate locations in Glendale, California. And the American Postal Workers Union says that its members were not involved. So two loads of mail dumped in Glendale, California, and the post office people had nothing to do with it, according to the union. Piles of mail were found in two separate locations in Glendale Thursday morning, including one incident where a rented truck was captured on surveillance video dumping bags of unopened letters and packages in the parking lot of a business. How about that? <laughs> so again, universal mail-in voting, what could possibly go wrong, right? Seems like it would be perfectly safe to do uh, universal mail-in voting. You can trust the system. Everybody's vote will be counted, right? Anyway. So, uh, there's that. I'm not going to get into the mail-in stuff today. It's just, it's, we've talked about it so much. Um, I'm over it. There's another thing I wanted to get into as well, but I think I'm going to try to push that off till tomorrow. Uh, if we even talk about it at all. Remember Joe Biden and Kamala Harris went to visit with Jacob Blake's family. And this is your friendly reminder that Jacob Blake is a rapist. Jacob Blake is a criminal. He's a thug that resisted arrest, fought off two tasers, had a knife in his hand, and then was possibly going for whatever other weapon was in his vehicle before he got shot. He did all those things before he got shot. He committed robbery. He committed rape. He committed assault on police officers. And then really could be attempted murder with a deadly weapon. All those happened in the moments leading up to him being shot. And he's lucky he's alive. Because most people that commit that many crimes in, in one series of events, they usually get shot dead. So Jacob Blake's lucky. Now as far as his family, I don't know much about his family other than his dad, who is one of these Louis Farrakhan people. Absolutely insane, anti-Semitic, racist scumbags. I, and here, I know, and this is crazy, this is crazy. I put all racist people in the same basket and uh i put racist white people the nazis the skinheads the 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 white supremacists i put those in the same basket as i put racist black people or that i put racist uh english people or racist asian people i put them all in the same basket it's crazy how that works jacob blake's father is no better than any of those other people if you've gone through and you've been able to see some of his postings online, you will see just how deranged this guy is. But again, Kamala Harris decided it was a good idea to go meet with Jacob Blake's family, especially the father, and here's what she said. She said she was proud of Jacob Blake and said he had a really wonderful family. That's right. Jacob Blake, who's facing sexual assault charges. Kamala Harris is proud of you. Now, this is quite the turnaround for Kamala Harris 
because used to, no matter how minor the offense, she was a big fan of throwing black people in prison. So maybe, maybe she's turned it around. And of course, she went from one extreme to the other. She went from locking up and throwing away the key on people that sold marijuana to condoning the actions of rapists. But, you know, who, who am I to judge, right? Now, with Jacob Blake, uh, as well as a few other instances, we know have caused massive, massive, um, massive unrest in the streets. And it's caused what we're seeing, um, not just really white people, random white people being attacked on the streets, but Trump supporters as well. And we're seeing this nasty, nasty vitriol thrown at not just Donald Trump, but Trump supporters left and right. It's really a mirror image of what we saw leading up to 2016. Now, I've got this video montage, and if you listen to 99.5 this morning when I was on the Matt Nani show, I played this for you, but I want to play it for you again because it is so very important that you hear in their own words what they've said for the past four years about Trump supporters. They've been backing these people to rise up, to burn cities down, to attack innocent people, to get in their face. They've been saying it for four years years and now you see they're trying to distance themselves from this all of a sudden they're scared it's hurting them politically but their words are still out there they can't change what they said and all of the violence and the destruction it is all on their hands and they're not going to be able to change that. There aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Biggest terror threat in this country is white men most of them radicalized right up to the right i thought he should have punched him in the face i said even if you lost he insulted your wife yes. he came down the escalator and called mexicans rapists and murders he said well what do you think i should have done i said i think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race you would have been a hero i'd like to punch such classy people punch him in the face him in the face i said if we were in high school i'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. 
and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. They're saying it right to your face. Right to your face. They're not hiding it. They're not being subtle about it. They're letting you know what they want done. They want you, the Trump supporter, they want you punished. And how how often, y'all that listen to the podcast, how often have I said that? If the Democrats take power, they will punish you. They will punish you for the treason you've committed, not against your country, but against the Democrat Party. They will punish you. In their own words, there it is. I've also got, and I guess I could do this before we get out of here. Um, I I saw this before we started the podcast, and it kind of goes to the nastiness, the nasty way that people are, are, are treating others that don't think like them, especially when it comes from the party of tolerance and the party of acceptance. They've got a bad habit of attacking the people that they claim they're standing up for. Minorities or women or anybody that does not think like them. Your, your group, the box that you're in, whether it's your gender or your sexual orientation or the color of your skin. You're officially thrown out of that box and you are an enemy of the party. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was able to make that very clear as she appeared on The View. And I guess this was from today. Let's see. Uh, Tuesday's season premiere of The View. So I guess they had the season premiere today and she was on there. And she explains how nasty she's been treated since working for the president. And Joy Bear decides she wants to pipe in and make excuses for why she's been treated so poorly. Okay? Because there's always an excuse. It's always the whataboutism. Check out a little bit of this. Hey, we're back with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sarah? Yeah, um, Sarah, we are well aware of the challenges working moms face generally. But And you speak to this in your book, but can you describe the unique challenges and sacrifices that public moms like you and Kellyanne Conway experienced working in such a polarizing administration and in such a polarizing time? 
Well, certainly I think every mom who is trying to find that perfect work-life balance struggles to figure out how they can do it all. Um, I think one of the best things is having a good support system and people you can lean on. But when you're doing that and doing it so publicly, it can be extremely difficult. Um, Thankfully, for the most part, my kids were fairly young and didn't realize how intense so many moments were. But they still had to experience a lot of really awful things, whether um, I once had a woman while I was walking holding my three-year-old's hand tell me I was a horrible person and turn and spit on our car. Um, But that's something a three-year-old shouldn't have to experience. Uh, One of the things that I found so troubling and so disheartening is that the meanest and the nastiest to other women were women themselves, other moms. Instead of attacking, we should be empowering. We should be lifting each other up, supporting one another. I'm fine with people disagreeing on our politics, but when you make it about personal attacks, nothing was off limits, whether it was my my weight, my hair, my fitness to be a mother at all. Uh, Nothing was off limits to the liberal mob and to uh, some of the nastiest, most aggressive haters out there. And again, I'm fine defending my politics and my policy, but I think that we can keep those comments on that level. And as women, we should try to find ways to empower each other and lift each other up instead of tear each other down. Well, and Sarah, I would say that I actually have experienced right. that I same wanna... pushback on both sides. So I think the important thing as mothers and parents is that we teach our kids how to disagree respectively Absolutely. and respectfully, excuse me. Absolutely. You work for someone. And I wanted to point, point out something, something, Sarah. Basis, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Joy. On a regular basis, darling. I'm saying that you work. You worked for someone who who throws personal attacks on people on a regular basis. How can you sit there and say you resent you when it happens to you? He calls women number t- uh, you're on a sliding scale of zero to ten, depending on how you look, according to him. He's ridiculous about personal attacks, and you sit there and you you don't like it when it happens to you. Why don't you tell him to stop it? The president was the person who empowered me more than anybody else. He's the one that defended me. He's the one that helped lift me up and put topic. me in a position That's a different conversation. to have a voice. We're talking about words now. We're talking about words. We're not talking about deeds. We're talking about words. We're talking about words. Oh, <laughs> that is the worst. Is that not the worst voice to Hillary Clinton? I mean, y'all got to admit. Just words. Defend that. I am talking about words. The president was the first to affirm me. He was the one that gave me a voice on a national stage to speak out for women. I'm the first mom to ever serve as the White House press secretary. Why didn't any of his Democrat predecessors put a mother in that role? The idea that this isn't a president. I'm sorry. Can I can I get my question in, please? Oh, you vey. That is so hard to listen to, y'all. We're talking about words. We're talking about words. What a bunch of vile women that that are on the view. Well, I, I don't want to put that on all of them. Most of them are dim-witted. We'll give them that. I think Megan McCain is spot on a lot of the time. I say a lot of the time. She she is she has her moments. She has good moments. Then other times. She's just out in in left field. But I'll give it to her that she's okay. But the rest of these women, it's like, 
their brains have been sucked right out of their skull before going on air. Every episode. But the point of me playing that for you guys is Sarah Huckabee Sanders explaining how vile she is treated by other women. And you really can't even put it on the people. You've got to put it on the vitriol that Democrats have been spewing for years now that have made these people completely insane. It's why Democrats are currently freaking out about the election and why they're so adamant about bail-in voting. They've completely freaked out their base about coronavirus and they're scared they won't show up and vote. Those are the people that bear this responsibility. So the party of tolerance and acceptance will always be known as the party of vile vitriol. And there's nothing they can do at this point to change that. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We'll have you a brand new one very soon. Check it out on YouTube. Subscribe, youtube.com slash over the line. And make sure you check us out on 98.95. Until then, see you, cool.